and welcome to VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. It's all the fives episode 55 to um, we're recording today. Um, if you're on watching on YouTube, thanks. And if you're uh, listening on Spotify or iTunes, thanks even again. And if you can leave a review, that would be fantastic. Um, you know, I am Steve Lillis and you know my co-host, um, John Evans. You all right, John? I am. I am, Steve. Good weekend, wasn't it? We you, put got up any, with you got any ailments, John? Any ailments you're going to moan no, about I'm good tonight? Hundred percent, good as gold. I thought we, we had a finger, a... I thought you had a finger oh, no, injury. Right. I, I, we're on a boxing podcast. I don't moan about hand injuries. <laughs> yeah, we put up with a lot of uh, a lot of shit as boxing fans, don't we? But this weekend, it made you realise why we enjoy it. You know what? This year hasn't been bad at all. You know, we've been, there's been fights behind closed doors, but when you mention the subject we're going to have in round one, John, it made me realise it has been a good year this year. Anyway, special guest this week, a serious fighting prospect. I think um, this, this lady's out on Matchroom Show on December 18. It's one of VIP Boxing's very own. It's Rhiannon Dixon. Rhiannon, thanks for coming on with uh, an old fogey like me and uh, an apprentice old fogey in John. I mean, I'm still a lot older than him, but he'll be where I am in about, I don't know, I've got quite a long time, I suppose. Um, under eight weeks to your next fight. Is that right? Under, sorry, under three weeks before you're out. Is that right on December 18 at the Manchester Arena? Yeah, it was three weeks on um, Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, what would you get three weeks out? Do you start getting excited? Do you start getting any nerves? You know, given it's your only your full fight, I think, coming up. Um, I'm more like hangry because I'm like on a diet. I've been on a diet for a while, so I'm a bit of a bitch. Um, can I oh, um, yeah, you like, can say what you want on this podcast? <laughs> oh, right. Um, I'm a bit, you know, like hangry with, you know, my partner Ross. Um, so three weeks out, he's, he's being really nice to me. So I, I can't really complain about him at the moment. But yeah, um, I get a little bit nervous, obviously, because it's on such a big platform this time on uh, the zone and match room. So um, I'm just looking forward because obviously it was a bit of a disappointment on October 9th. But uh, I'm just ready to get out there now. Yeah. And just off, just off the box, you've got to mention you've got a great trainer, Anthony Crawler, one of the best young trainers in the country. Just one question on Anthony. Have you ever see, seen him wear clothes that don't match, even <laughs> in the gym? Because I'm looking for that first ever picture. Uh, if he does, I will take a slide picture for you and post it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. Yeah. Best dressed man in North Manchester, Anthony, isn't he? He thinks he is. I've seen some uh, questionable outfits that he's put together, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just going back to that, you, you, you get on a diet three weeks out. How many months of this year have you spent on diets, Rhiannon? Because you, you're supposed to have been... How many times have you had your, your fights postponed this year? Oh, I've been on, like, a constant diet. It's like a running joke in work. They're like, oh, do you want, do you want some of this cake? I'm like, no, I can't. I'm on a diet. And they're like, you've been on a diet all year. Have you not lost any weight? I was like, Yeah. But um, I just can't, you know, because you can't stay at fight weight for so uh, for so long because you're prone to getting like illnesses and stuff. So um, yeah, I feel like I've been on a constant diet uh, this year. But December eighteenth, you know, I can enjoy Christmas this year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna really splurge. But um, hopefully, I won't put on too much weight so Anne doesn't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we'll get we'll get going now. Do you know? I don't know if you know how this works, Rhiannon. And what we do, we speak for three minutes on each subject. Um, John times it, and at the end of three minutes, John pulls out what? John, what do you pull out? Is it all comes out? Yeah, um. Get cut off. Um, <laughs> we're back to you starting this week, John. Round one because um, 
you've got quite a good topic, I think, to start. Round one, over to you, John. Yeah, we'll start um, this weekend in New York, and it, it's like the latest in a long line of upsets, wasn't it? We've had um, Josh Warrington getting done by Maurizio Lara. We had uh, Mikey Garcia lost to Martin. Um, Kiko, our hero Kiko, knocking out Galahad a couple of weeks ago. Last night, I'm giving it the award for upset of the year with uh, George Cambosas beating Lopez. You know, that that was Lopez coming off a win over the, the man everyone thought was the best in the world, Lomachenko. Every, everyone said Loma was the best. Lopez beat him, and yeah, there's been delays, there's been upsets, and it's taken its time to come around, but nobody gave Cambosas a chance of doing that. And it, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a, a shot out of a blue. He was brilliant last night. That What a way to win a world title. You know, he, he out boxed him, he outfought him, he got up off the floor, he dropped Lopez and he did it all in Lopez's hometown. So, well done, George Cambosas. And that, for me, is the upset of the year. Yeah, um, stunning win. Um, probably the best Australian boxing win since when was Costa Zoo beat Zab Judah? Was that about 2000? Certainly bigger than Horn Pacquiao, I think. Um, you know what? I think the one that runs that really close, I, I, because of the magnitude of that fight, I think you have to give it. I still think Sandor Martin beating Mikey Garcia was enormous, John. Um, Martin had been, been a good run, but had lost to Anthony Yidget. And we, we just knew he, he was only European class. I think that was a, a massive upset, even though Mikey Garcia has been going around weights and things. I still think that runs that close last night, but the fight that the, of such magnitude last night gets it, I guess. How do you see it, Rhiannon? See, I thought uh, Kiko Martinez and Kid Galahad was a massive upset. Um, James, my friend James Moorcroft, he actually called it in the group chat and everyone was saying really? that he was absolutely... Yeah, I'll have to give him credit for that. He also called um, the Cambosa fight as well. Really? Uh, so he's on a, he's, yeah, he's on a bit of a roll at the moment, but... Um, yeah, everyone was saying, like, he, he doesn't know what he's going on about, but he's been calling him lately. Um, so I thought that was a massive upset because Galahad was winning the whole fight and then it was just, it's just like one punch. And then it just changes the whole, um, the whole fight, doesn't it? Yeah. How, how did you see that one, John? Where does that one rank for you in the upsets of the year? Oh, it, it was, we, spoke, we spoke about it last, last week, didn't we? Yeah. But... Martinez has got that punch. He's, he's got that shot. We know he has, and he's been a world champion. And Mikey Garcia and Martin, I, I thought Garcia looked uninterested. There was no title on the line. He was overweight. I, I think for an upset of a year, it's got to be... That was the undisputed lightweight title. All the belts were on the line. It was a big showcase for Lopez. And, you know, Cambosa's got past Selby on a split, was it? Yes, nothing, decision. Nothing on his record to suggest he could do that. And that, for me, I, I don't know. I don't think that can be beaten for upset of the year. There you go. And you're f starting and finishing, John. Round two, we're, <laughs> over, we're over to you, Rhiannon. You want to talk about you know, the frustrations you fighters go through, particularly when, you know, you're pulled off cards. Yeah, so um, it's, only, it's recently Bradley Ray has just uh, announced that he's not fighting on December 11th. So yeah. that's why it kind of like jogged my memory. Um, because me and Natasha, we got pulled off of October 9th. I think it was like my, my opponent pulled out and I think hers did as well. And I think that, you know, like boxing fans don't realise like how much you actually put your body through each camp and how much money you put into each camp. And then to get told like on the day of your weigh-in when you've made weight that you're not actually fighting, it's kind of like a, a letdown. And 
I think a lot of people were giving um, Natasha stick for her yes. opponent on the Sky Show. But if you think about it, she was meant to be on December 11th after that. But if she didn't fight on the Sky Show, she wouldn't have fought for the rest of the year and wouldn't have got paid. And that's how like a lot of fighters make their money. Obviously, I'm quite fortunate because I'm working. But, um, you know, if they don't fight, they don't get paid. So I just think it is, um, yeah, I just don't think that some people realise that. Yeah, that, that, I mean, they do, and you know, I'm, I'm, I just wonder, someone like you, Rhiannon, when you, um, when your fight suddenly falls through, and you have to go back to work the next day, you know, are you a different person in work? Uh, yeah, because everyone was like, "Oh, how did your fight go on the weekend?" And I was like, "Oh, well, I didn't fight." And they were like, "Well, why not?" And I was like, "Is my opponent pulled out?" And they were like, "Can they do that? They need to sign a contract when they agree." <laughs> I was like, "It just it doesn't work like that." Um, but obviously, you know, I, I, I thought I might be fighting in the next few weeks. So I kind of like stayed at, you know, fight, fight weight, prime condition. And it, it takes a toll on your body. But obviously, you know, there's been a lot of um, debutants on the VIP shows. They went to their weigh-ins and people didn't turn up, didn't they? And that must be really disheartening for a lot of people who've just turned over pro this year. Yeah, it must be. You know, as well, with her, maybe Natasha's in a slightly different boat because she's she's known now. But for someone like you, when it's your first big showcase on a Sky thing and your opponent pulls out and they're throwing different names at you, well, we can get this girl, we can get this girl, we can get this girl. How do you go about that? Because there's a risk of walking into a trap, isn't there? There's a risk of walking into someone good or it's... How do you weigh all that up? Yeah, well, I kind of got um, sheltered from it because I, I went to like the press conference and Eddie was like, we're still trying, we're still trying. And I was like, trying for what? And he was like, oh, was I not told you? And he was like, your opponent's pulled out. So we're getting you a new one, but don't worry, it's still going ahead. So Ant kind of like sheltered me from all of that. And then, um, so I didn't really know much about it until obviously when I made weight and then I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like you're not fighting. Like we couldn't get, you know, a change in opponent. And I felt worse for him because he sounded so upset on the phone. So I was just like, because obviously I, I, oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm free. We'll see. We've got a, a very good female boxer. And I want to talk about who I think the greatest woman boxer is of all time. And I, I think Lucia Riker. Um, and I wonder where, where we where she would be in this era right now, of, you know, where women's boxing is booming. It was booming when, when, you know, she was going because there was Mia St. John getting a lot of publicity, you know, also... Um, um, Oh, Christy, Christy Martin. Christy Martin. You know, they had great backstories. But I just remember, you know, I saw her, I think I saw her on an Oscar De La Hoya bill. And then I saw her on one of the a real tragic night in boxing on the Terry Norris Rosenblatt bill when Terry Norris was absolutely shot to pieces. And she horribly beat up a girl called Marcella Acuna, whose career, incidentally, is worth looking up for anybody. It's, it's bizarre. Um and I was just sold on her. And I went through looking to finding her fights. And, you know, it was harder to trace fights in the 90s. And I just thought she was sensational. And then around the early 2000s, she just vanished from the scene. There's a lot of rumours what, what went on, but who knows? So we don't know Sam on here anyway, in case we're wrong and get in trouble. But I just thought she was sensational. And I would love to have seen her in the current climate. Yeah. Well, she, she was just around the weight, wasn't she, as well, yeah. when all these big fights were happening? But yeah, she could really, really fight. I liked um, Anne Wolf. Oh, uh, yeah, Anne Wolf. Yeah. She scored the most violent knockout I've ever seen in women's boxing. It, it was horrendous. And she had 
three world titles in three weights at the same time. At the same time. So I, I, I think it's like Riker or Ann Wolf, but I don't know. I, I think the level of opponents the girls had to face then compared to what they've got now is probably a bit different. Yeah, I don't know. What, what, where do you stand on this, Rhiannon? Yeah, I think, you know, like now we've got a lot more, you know, like um, better coaches putting time into us and strength and conditioning and a lot more people are putting time into us and our development um, as opposed to back then. And they obviously went, for, they, they're the pioneers really. So they're making, so if they didn't do what they were doing and show their skill, I wouldn't be able to find out. But obviously Lucia Reich is up there. I thought Layla Ali was really good. I liked her like persona. Um, but obviously, you know, the people for me like Kate Taylor and Car- Clarissa Shields, you know, who are around at the moment um, who are fighting now. Yeah, Clarissa like, Shields. Riker against Taylor would be a, a mega fight. It? it would have been, would have been, oh, it would have yeah. been massive. It would, it would have been pay per view. Like they obviously they might be playing him for, um, um, for the the Shields fight against Savannah Marshall. Shields, Shields is something else in a boxing ring. I don't think she's been beaten since two thousand and eleven. Is it when um when Savannah oh, beat her in the amateurs? Absolutely sensational. I remember. Um, round four over to you, John, and corner work. Yeah, but going back to um, Tia Fimo's dad last night, who I thought embarrassed himself with um, one. He, his advice wasn't changing round to round. It was changing second to second. He, he would say, you know, take your time, slow down, use the jab. Not this motherfucker out, you know what you're waiting for. He, he didn't know what he was doing. He got caught up in the hype and caught up on the night and, and Tia Fimo paid the price for it. But I think we've seen it a couple of times recently. Joshua Rusick where all you could hear all fight was beautiful, AJ, beautiful. Yeah, he was getting Joby Clayton, yeah. As, as the fight was going on. Now, these trainers are obviously world-class for, at the very top of a profession, so they're obviously not blind to what's going on. So I'm just wondering why they're not... Why they're only talking about the positives. Is it because the, the problems their fighters facing are too difficult mm-hmm. to fix, so they just concentrate on what's working and then hope to deal with the problems in the ring after? I, I can't figure it out. Rhiannon, would, would you, if a fight, if you're in a hard fight, would you prefer your corner person to tell you what you're doing wrong or concentrate on the positives, tell you what you're doing right and fix the problems in the gym? Yeah, I think it's like a fighter, like how they deal with things personally. I'd rather be told like what I'm doing wrong so that I can fix it. Like, cause there's some things like when you're in the ring, you don't see what other people can see on the outside. So if there's something that I'm obviously missing, like I'd want to be pulled up on it. But I think, you know, I think it was with Crawford as well. Like I think in the the 11, the one before he knocked out Sean Porter, he said, I'm a lo- did I lose that round? And he was like, yeah, he's like, I'm a loser. And he's like, yeah. And then he went out and knocked him out. Um, so I think it's based on like how, a trainer and fighter relationship, you know, I think they know how to get, you know, the best out of them. Yeah, you know what? I think a lot of it, look, not a lot of it, some of the blame has to lay with fighters. I think they like the rap, you know, they're earning so much money, you know, they're, they're bigger, they almost become bigger than the sport. It's like footballers holding all the power in football, having more power than the manager. They like, they like to um, surround themselves with yes men. And that might be the case with Joshua, with some of the blokes he has around him, not including Robert McCracken. I think with Lopez, he's got his dad there. And I think his dad has just got wrapped up completely in the fame game, believing he's a celebrity and a star. And that's what, and I think 
it's just totally taken away. It's had a negative impact on the job he does of his son. You know, he's almost playing the fame game. It's like you had Angel Garcia and Danny Garcia. He was a he's a lunatic, Angel Garcia, but he, he, he's he's like a, a you know a doctor in physics compared to this lunatic um, <laughs> Cambosis. And I think with Angel Garcia. He was protecting his son a lot with the media. I remember one day there was all these interviews going on before a Garcia fight and the dad was doing them all and Danny was back resting in his room. He, the dad was doing interviews for two hours and the opponent was still there. Having a, I can't think of what fight it was, but the opponent was... Anyway, round five, um, I spoke a lot there. I'll try to stay... Oh, Rhiannon now, sorry. Dads as coaches. Oh, so yeah, we basically just uh, touched on that, haven't we? I was like, we're watching the Tiafimo uh, Lopez fight last night. It was taking his dad like 10 seconds to get into the ring. Like you said, it's it's like he's all about the hype and he's like putting his hands up to the crowd. And I was thinking, if that's my dad, honestly, I'd jump out of the ring and hit him and say, come and tell me what to do. But um you know, obviously it's worked like wonders with other people, you know, like Joe Kawasaki and his dad, that was like a match made in heaven, wasn't it? Um, but, you know, it, it can be a blessing or a curse. I think, was it Sean Porter's dad? Yeah, um, he did a great ago. job. Yeah. He's done a great, he threw the tower and I thought he was correct, but there you go. Yeah, like letting you, don't you don't need to get like damaged in a fight, do you know what I mean? He knows his son and he knew that that was the right decision for then, so... Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, if I was in the gym with my dad, I wouldn't be able to skip a day. If you know, if I slapped a single minute in a session, I'd get pulled on it and, and roll up for it. But some of the some of these guys, I, I thought Kenny Porter actually was good in the corner, but afterwards, when we were doing the interview and he he like shamed him for not training hard enough, and you know, in front of the world, there's certain things that should be done in private, I think. And it it's just these added complications, isn't it, with having your dad in the corner, you know, the conversations you could have with a coach and stuff probably what's the word for uh, probably feeling too comfortable to share these things you're yeah. in front of the world. It's, it's very very difficult position yeah just yeah. touch it sorry Rana. oh sorry but I, I thought that like tfemo's dad might be living through tfemo yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. like living through his celebrity status yep yeah. uh, you do get a lot of fathers who you know that maybe the, the life that he wanted to have, he's living through his son. Maybe he dreamt of being where his son is. But you know what? Just so, touching on something you said there, John, about your dad would always be on you every second, never give yeah. you a moment's respite. I'll never forget one day I was down at, um, in Wowers at um, Enzo Calzaghi's gym at Newbridge. I don't know if you've ever, you ever been there. It's, it's just the most bizarre gym you've ever been in, the way it was built and everything. And I was talking to Enzo and I was all working away. And Enzo said to me, the late Enzo Calzaghi said, I, just, I think it was Enzo Macronelli, Joe Calzaghi in there all training. And he just said to me, whatever they do, their best isn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, that, and I, I just come back when you said that. But you know what? We always seem to dig up the the bad father and son teams. And, you know, Rhiannon touched on some, you know, a couple really successful ones. You know, you've also had, you know, Zab Judah and his dad, Shane Mosley and his dad, yeah, go yeah. further back, Pat O'Grady, Sean O'Grady, Floyd Patterson with Tracy Harris and Lenny Mancini with, with Ray Mancini. Um, yeah. Right. Anyway, right. Round six, uh, final topic, just about to be announced or it by the time we this, we record this a day before, Khan versus Brook is uh, going to happen. I think February 19, Manchester Arena. And you know what? All these boxing hipsters are giving it like two-footed tackles. And uh, 
It's doing my nothing. Um, it's going to do well at the box office. Must probably be the biggest non-heavyweight British fight in, in, in the UK in 2022. Nobody can pick a, a winner with certainty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should have happened years ago. But come on, I can't wait for it. Brooke V. Yeah. Comfort. I, I couldn't put a penny on this fight with confidence. I've got a way area might plan out. I think, you know, if Brooke's still there after a few rounds, I think he can take over and win. But come on, people. Stop going in two-footed on this fight. Let's enjoy it. Live it. It's going to be It's going to be such a fun. The build-up's going to be fun. And all these trendy hipsters who write for these up-their-ass websites are all pissing on the fight. I'm not having it. I can't wait for Calm Brook. Really excited for it. And you know what? I usually get a press ticket for a fire. I'm going to buy a ticket and go to that as long as Fulham aren't too far away that day. I'm telling you. Go on, Rihanna. Oh, no. I, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I think it's what people have been waiting for ages. And it's like a massive British rivalry that we can really get into. And I think, that, like you said, the lead up for it is going to be amazing. I just hope that both of them are like, putting everything into it do you know what I mean and like yeah. be like give the best of themselves yeah I, I, I'm with you Steve I can't I think it'll yeah. be um, you, you won't be able to blink where either of them could touch yeah. down at any point it could be a three or four brilliant. round absolute carnage you, you'll get people saying it's two bald men fighting over a comb won't you but that can be entertaining as well. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait for it. They, and we genuinely dislike each yeah, other. Yeah, they, they? Ge they genuinely <laughs> dislike. I mean, I mean, Amir generally thought it was happening um, next week, or was it the 11th? He generally thought that's when it was going to happen. But there was so many tiny issues to be resolved over gloves and everything. It, ne it, it didn't happen. And a couple of weeks ago, he thought it had gone. He even started a training camp in America, in, in Colorado for a week. I think, did he go to... No, he was, he was training with Terence Crawford. Yeah, with Terence Crawford for a week. So, you know what? I think they'll both put their all into the training because, you know, it is, you know, sink or swim. I mean, they've, all, they've been in sink or swim fights, but the loser just about hangs on for another half decent... No, the winner hangs on for another half decent payday. The losers got a one-way ticket to Palookaville. It's over. I can't wait for it. I really can't wait for it. And as the, the winner, said, the winner, the winner gets into the talk for a Conor Ben mega payday, don't they? Hey, they will. <laughs> they, hey, big pay per view. For, that's a great point. And yeah. you know what? And as Rihanna said, and I think a lot of people, you know, these people go on about it. the build up is going to be fantastic. The press conferences—they've never liked each other. They're different personalities all the way. The build up is going to be fantastic, and the press conference—the head, the two heads heads when they announce when it were. By the time this goes out, it would have been announced the head to head. The one coming on, on on fight week is going to be brilliant when they both, you know, been losing weight and they're, they're you know, they, they, you know, they're fighting men at the end of the day. It's going to be fantastic. There you go. That's the time. Well, that's about it. We're six rounds flew by this week. Rhiannon, you've been fantastic. Really top guest. Um, great getting your insight, especially on, you know, your the frustrations of being a fighter who's pulled off and pulled off a show late and uh, I hope it doesn't get too tough for your partner in the next couple of weeks <laughs> no I've only got a little bit of weight to lose now so I shouldn't be too much of a, a bitch with him now <laughs> <laughs> anything to add John no no I enjoyed that this week yeah as always well thanks very much everyone for listening and thanks to you John and especially to you Rhiannon and uh, I hope the next couple of weeks in camp goes well for you and you have a great night on December 18 at the, I think it's the AO Arena now we have to call it in Manchester. It's, it's the MEN. 
It's the MAN. I've been calling it the MAN. I keep on saying <laughs> it's it's the MAN. The MAN. Hey, this is what, always the MAN. This is why I'm an old fogey. See, this I'm a guaranteed old fogey. I, you might have just been born, Rian. I can remember in, back in, in the mid nineties, I was calling it the Nine X for years. The 9X. That's what it was. The 9X when Amir Khan used to box there and all that and that those sort of guys and Ben and Collins. I think it was the 9X then. Yeah. Nas, Never heard of that. Nas at the 9X. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm too old to be talking about 9X and all that. I'm just too old. Nas at the 9X. Yeah. I'm too old for all this. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks very much, everyone, for listening and thanks for you two as always. Appreciate it. For all boxing. Info, news and latest interviews, Amateur and Pro, across the north, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions, also Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.